get us all here at once. <laughs> the Lord would need to give us another building, you see. Start off with a little joke for you today, if that's all right. Sure. Merry heart doth good like medicine. As a single guy, he decided uh, life would be more fun if he had a pet. I disagree. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so he went to the pet store and told the owner that he wanted to buy an unusual pet. After some discussion, he finally bought a talking, a talking centipede. <laughs> That's one of them hundred-legged bugs. Which came in a little white box to use for his house. He took the box back home found a good spot for the box and decided he would start off by taking his new pet to church with him. So he asked the centipede in the box, would you like to go to church with me today? We'll have a good time. But there was no answer from his new pet. This bothered him a bit, but he waited a few minutes and then asked again, how about going to church with me and receive some blessings today? But again, there was no answer from his new friend and pet. So he waited a few more minutes, thinking about the situation. The guy decided finally to invite the centipede one last time. This time, he put his face up against the centipede's house and shouted, hey in there, you wanna to go to church with me and learn about God? This time a little voice came out of the box. Yes, I'm coming, I heard you the first time. I'm still putting on my shoes. <laughs> with me again. Let's, uh, let me read from the Word of God. Let's give honor and glory to Jesus Christ, to His Holy Word. You know, the Word is precious and powerful to bring about change. One word from God to change your life for the good completely and forever, and I hope you receive one today. Amen. Deuteronomy 30, 19 says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live. <coughs> have you seen? <coughs> 
Heavenly Father, thank you for your precious word. Thank you for the anointing that breaks every yoke. Thank you for using me today, Lord. Thank you for helping everyone here to receive a special word of empowerment, healing, love, prosperity for every area of their lives. That they may be changed for the better and go and help others with that same help they've received. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. And for all those who listen by the means at any other time and any other place, bless them indeed, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Previously, we've been discussing some wonderful things, some wonderful truths. I've been listening and been blessed myself. So, how I know it's God. But we were talking about being led by that inner witness. You remember? That to make us a better witness for God because we're being led by God, you see? That paraclete, the, the Holy Spirit that Jesus was so happy when he was departing this earth that he could send to be with us, to be in us, to lead us and guide us and comfort and help us and teach us and remind us of everything that Jesus had said. A standby an ever-present help in time of trouble, a strengthener, this third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. Jeremiah 23, or 10, 23, tells us why we need him so desperately, that Holy Spirit. It says it's not within man to direct his own steps. So we'll foul it up every time, apart from God. We get into our own thinking, our own will, our own ways. Because even though I know that the world teaches that well, all people are basically good, that's not true. The Bible says that the heart of man is desperately wicked and evil. And it is. Without the regeneration of the born again experience within Christ Jesus. Galatians 5 24 and 25 says, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Verse 25 Since we live by the Spirit, let us walk in step with the Spirit. That sounds, that sounds interesting. Since we live by the Spirit, so it's saying we do live by the Spirit. Then it says, let us walk in step with the Spirit. So what it's exposing here is the, the fact that we have a renewed, born-again nature. We have everything. We've been fully equipped. We've been fully equipped by God to do God's will, to be and to do everything he's called us to be, but we still have a free will, don't we? So he says, you have, you are led by the Spirit because you're a child of God. So that's what's keeping you alive. 
The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in, in you and gives life to your mortal body. You died with Jesus on that cross, and now if you've been born again, you've been raised to new life. Water baptism, picture of that. Resurrected out. Now, let us walk, let us choose to walk in step with the Spirit. Hmm? We have to choose, we have to agree with God, don't we? Amos 3 3, how can two walk together unless they be agreed? I was dancing with my beautiful six year old granddaughter the other day in the kitchen. That's where my wife and I like to dance. That's where mama taught me to dance. And I was teaching her. But I had to first, you know how six year olds are. I was at one of her gymnastics events yesterday and Lord, I'd love to have their energy. But she wanted to leave. I had to explain to her that's not how it works. <laughs> I don't care what current culture teaches. Man leads. You follow. I taught her how that, what that looked like. And then she was really good at it in just a minute. So we did a two-step, we did a slow dance, we did a little bit of jitterbug, <laughs> and then we did some crazy stuff. She just couldn't control her energy anymore. We just <laughs> danced all over the place. That was awesome. She might have led that part. <laughs> Romans 8, 4 says, So that the righteous standard of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit, Holy Spirit. What, what law might be fulfilled in us? We talked about this. Because all the law that accused us, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, was nailed to the cross with Jesus. So that the devil could see everything that he used to, that uses to accuse you with, and some of you still let him get away with it, because you don't realize, because God says, my people are perishing for lack of knowledge. Or lack of knowing him. Jesus bore all the guilt and shame and punishment for all your sin. So every time the devil tries to accuse you with it, you just point to the cross. You see? But there is a law. Because it says that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who don't walk after the flesh, but after the spirit. It's the law of love. One law now. Jesus gave it. And if we'll live by the Spirit, according to the Spirit, because God is a Spirit, and God is love, so He can interchange them, huh? So if we live according to the Spirit, or if we live according to love, that's agape love, the, the kind that is giving. Takes no thought for itself. Romans 8, 14, those who are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Calls us all sons from heaven, you see. <laughs> no gender identity crisis there. It's just that we'll understand one day. Proverbs 20, 27 talks about the spirit of man as the candle or the lamp of the Lord. 
searching all the inner parts of the belly. That's where your born again spirit is. That's who you really are. You are a spirit with a soul, a personality in a body, a vessel that makes you able to live in this earth because this is where we have dominion. So we have to have a vehicle in order to operate here. We'll talk about next week the importance of that even in the evil demonic world. Maybe. <laughs> so the Spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching everything about us. He knows everything about us. So it's saying that God doesn't guide us by our natural senses, not our mind, not our soul, not our body, but by the Spirit. Because we're like Him, and He is the Spirit. That's what He told the woman at the well, John 4, 24. God is the Spirit. Those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Amen? Amen. So we have to trust. Now that's, that's a word for faith. Faith is really your positive response to the grace of God that provided through Jesus through the atonement of the cross. But let's just call it trust right now. Total reliance upon spiritual timing, I called it last week. Or you could say total reliance on spiritual truth. Because the world has its own truth, which is really a counterfeit propagated by the devil. Because he is in control of this world for a time. But it doesn't make it true. He's a liar. And he's always been a liar. Yeah. Those are Jesus' words. So. I talked about the fact that to. To trust. The kind of trust that God wants us to have. In an unseen being. Him. <laughs> requires a revelation. On our part of God's love. For us. Hmm? You ever heard the saying, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care? A lot of truth in that. A lot of truth in that. First John 4.19 says, We love because he first loved us. And then in John 1 John 4, 16, just a few verses before, it says, so we have come to know and believe. There, it's important. You can, you can know something, give mental assent to something, know it, sort of, you know, enough to regurgitate it on a test, maybe. But to believe, you mean differentiate. We have come to know, not just know, but believe. We believe the love that God has for us. John is revealing his power, what, what, what helps him to walk it out, what helps him to be the revelator when they banished him to the Isle of Patmos, what helped him to, when they tried to put him to death by boiling him in, in a hot 
oil he swam around in it like a refreshing bath, history tells us. Hmm? The love of God empowered him to walk in everything that God had for him to do. So when we allow God to truly love us, we have an understanding, a revelation of his love for us. It will benefit us in every way. Every aspect of our life, our Christian walk, help us to go the distance. You look around here, and I know that I, I'm truly blessed. I, 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 I am blessed to pastor a church where I, I, I'm loved by the congregation. I feel that. I know that. Maybe not every day. Maybe not every message when you think I'm preaching one directly at you. I read your mail or something. It's, it's not me. It's God. But, but I'm blessed in that regard. But... If I had all the people here that I have ministered to in the last 15 years that, that just were just blown away, just, just awestruck and just loved the message, loved the preacher. But they're not all here. Ten times as many that are here are gone. And now we have a lot. Miss Cheryl Burns, she, she just sent in a another love offering and she a letter with it and she calls me all the time she moved away got married to her high school sweetheart and that's a wonderful thing Don McAtee still driving all the way to San Antonio just to come for his first Sunday and have communion and he sows his ties into this church I don't think he'd mind me saying what a wonderful thing that's that's not what I'm talking about I'm talking about the ones who have fallen away because they just fallen away from God. They just couldn't go the distance. They didn't have the stick to it and the staying power. When once they were on fire for God. They burned, 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 burned out. And listen, man, this is not a sprint. It's a marathon. love of God is what will keep you. It's going to get harder and harder, folks. Welcome to, I said last week, welcome to the first post-Christian generation in this country since it was established. I'm not settling for that. I'm not prophesying that. I'm just saying that statistically speaking, we are not supposed to be the majority anymore. Now, I believe we're in the beginning phases of the third great awakening in this nation and hearts are turning to God and they're being awakened to the real to the real God, the real truth, and away from this false narrative, this woke lie of the devil. Amen. And that's a good thing, folks. And it couldn't uh, come at a better time. So by love we fulfill the law, we prosper, we position ourselves to participate and to receive all of the children's bread. You're the children of God if you have Jesus. And that starts with spiritual life and that it's health for your body and, 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 and resources or prosperity just to simplify it. And 
with the Spirit of God living in you. You know, you know, it's the goodness of God that brings repentance. I can't get over how many. I still know some Old Testament prophets. There are no Old Testament prophets, but I know some who really would have a gift of prophecy probably in their life if they would submit themselves to a pastor, someone who knew the Bible through new covenant lenses of grace and truth and could help them or direct them. But instead, they want to prophesy judgment and hellfire and brimstone. And that, it might be the truth, but it's not the gospel. I could tell a man on the street, walk out here and just tell him, hey, listen, turn or burn. It's true, but it's not the gospel. People have confused truth with the gospel they call it. that's the gospel because it's true no the gospel is the good news literally translated in the greek the almost too good to be true news about what jesus has done to prevent us from hellfire and brimstone and it's the goodness of god that brings repentance not the judgment not hellfire not that kind of fear the fear that we want people to have of God as a reverent awe and respect and love and amazement so that they're drawn to him and not run from him. Because that's who he is. All the things that he gets accused of that make people fearful in the wrong way of him are the things that the devil is doing and not God. It gets a bad rap. That's why he calls somebody like me. I said, what would you want with somebody like me? Preacher on every corner, they all disagree. What am I supposed to say? You'd have to teach me. Okay. Oh. I digress. Point is, you can't drive out darkness with darkness, can you? Come in this room and it's dark. What do you have to do to get rid of that darkness? You have to flip on the light. You gotta let our light shine, don't we, Maddie? A lot. <laughs> Gotta let, let our light shine, don't we? A lot. A lot. For Jesus. Amen. We have to share the truth. And sometimes the truth is not always pleasant. You know when it's not pleasant? When someone's living apart or in opposition to God's truth and the world and many churches now have gained the attitude and the policy well we just we'll call evil good if they want to we'll be accepting and that's just love that's a lie if it's not in agreement with the word of God then it's not the love of God But so many just think they know better than God. I've been meditating for weeks now on this. Remember when I ministered about the Trojan War and how they tricked with the Trojan horse as a gift. It seemed like something good and they pulled it on in. And I said that that's what's been happening in the church. People have been, Christians have been towing in these Trojan horses with 
calling these things good and accepting them and they, they're really not of God, they're of the enemy. But there's a lot of things being brought into the church, things being entertained and considered good and right amongst believers. I heard Kenneth Hagin one time say that he had some people telling him that they just, uh, they didn't need a pastor anymore. That they would just, uh, they had their own relationship with God and, or they'd listen to some evangelist and they would read his books and they'd be just fine. And he told them, he said, well, <clears throat> I didn't realize you know more than Jesus, I guess then. Because Ephesians 4, 11 say that Jesus gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Those are the gifts he gave to men when he ascended to heaven, the fivefold ministry. And the pastor is the shepherd. Um, Matthew 9, 36. You, you recall, this is how Jesus spoke to me one time in a, in a dream when I was fighting over not wanting to do this job so long ago. I asked him if he was really serious and all that. I was really seeking him with my whole heart and he came to me in a dream. But in Matthew 9.36 says, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. That's the same word for pastor. I had a dream during this time and Jesus, I was walking with Jesus from a familiar place in a courtyard of some apartments my mother and I used to live in. And I was walking with Jesus. He was on my right hand, just like he was every time that I've seen him. And we were walking and I was so happy because I was going with him. Which anytime you're around him, that's all you will want to do. You don't ever want to leave his presence. <laughs> that's been my experience. But, and then I felt as if somebody was, I just knew that someone was looking. I turned and I looked over my left shoulder and back there, about from here to those doors or so, I would say, there was a group of people and they're all looking, standing together, just the crowd, just looking like, like, what, what are we supposed to do? What about us, you know, or just looking off? They were sheep without a shepherd, and I knew it. He didn't have to say anything, and I looked back to him because I, I don't have the answer. I wanted him to tell me how he was going to take care of them and still take me with him. <laughs> I wanted what I wanted, but I didn't want them to be left without. He never even turned to look at me or them. I had my answer to the question I'd been seeking him about, which is doing this job. In other words, if you don't, they won't. And my heart was filled with the same compassion that he had. Praise God. Hebrews chapter 10. I'm trying to get somewhere today. 
But as always, we need to lay a little groundwork. So in Hebrews chapter 10, Paul, or I say Paul wrote Hebrews, but I have no factual basis of that. The writer of Hebrews, chapter 10, verses 24 through 26, is making a call for you, to, for us, to persevere, to stand, huh? to keep on keeping on. And in the 24th verse of Hebrews chapter 10, he says, And let us consider how to spur one another on to love and good deeds. Let us not neglect meeting together or the assembling of ourselves together or coming to church <laughs> as some have made a habit of doing. But let us consider or encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching talking about the day of his return all the more this is even more necessary now not less because of so much technology and media and easy access to sermons and books and all that but all the more reason as the day approaches of his return and things get, the heat gets turned up and the world's heart turned colder and the apostasy grows and grows and people are falling away from the church and the divisions in the church and the, and the false prophets and the tares that the enemy have sown. It is more important for us to meet than ever. If we deliberately, then he says something weird. Not weird, but interesting. Because he's associating 20, verse 26 with what he just said about don't stop coming to church. Because you got to encourage one another and spur one another on to love and to good deeds. And, and he says, if we deliberately go on sinning, who, who, what, who said sinning? If we deliberately go on sinning after we've received the knowledge of the truth, no further sacrifice for sins remains. So there's a correlation there about continuing to stay connected to the body that you are a part of. The body of Christ, that is. That will keep you from sinning. People that think they don't need the body, they're deceiving themselves. I know a lot of people. We all do. We have family members, loved ones, friends, co-workers. Pray for all of them. <clears throat> and I have many that will tell you right to your face, oh, going to church don't save you. I know that. Standing in a car, doesn't, a garage doesn't make me a car either. <laughs> but if I'm in a car, it's better for me to park in the garage. <laughs> If I'm a Christian, I need to be in church. Amen. You can read. He says, if you keep on sinning after you receive the knowledge of the truth, no further sacrifice for sins remains. That's a sobering thought. You can read more about that. I'm not going to. That's a whole message series. You can read more about that in Hebrews and. Well. I can think of half a dozen places where he talks about talks about that. But remember I talked about it when Moses struck the rock. 
and water came forth the first time Jesus, God told him to. Second time told him, speak to the rock. That's type and shadow. Jesus is the rock. The water that came forth is the Holy Spirit that's been giving us, given to us. The second time he said, just speak to it. Now, after Jesus has been crucified, now you don't, you don't have to be crucified. He will not be crucified again, will he? All you have to do is ask, believe, receive. But Moses got angry and he struck the rock again instead of just speaking to it, not once but twice. He didn't get to go into the promised land. So now all this has been revealed in the new covenant. We understand what that type of shadow meant. Nevertheless, that's just one of the Trojan horses. One of the carnal ideas by soulish people. Now I'm getting to my point. Soulish people. Like, what? Who aren't hearing from God. The only ones that get mad when we talk about the need for them to be in church, to have a pastor, because it sounds self-serving, believe me. You can go wherever God tells you to go. That's where I tell people to go. I never ask anyone to. They, they come and ask me. I want them to come to my church. I'm like, well, let's pray. What's God saying to you? Because there's a place for you to be planted. That's where you need to serve and that where you will take roots and you will grow and prosper. And God has, it's your place called there, you see. You don't belong to me. I don't want that responsibility. I already have responsibility and I will be judged more strictly as someone who watches over your souls. So I don't want people just rambling in and out of here who's supposed to be somewhere else. But I want all the ones that are supposed to be here to be here. And there's a bunch that are supposed to be here that aren't. Thank you, Lord. They're coming in from the north, the south, the east, and the west. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Get out of the way, Satan. In Jesus' name. Carnal ideas by soulless people who aren't hearing from God. You say, what's that mean? Well, we've been talking about the Spirit being led by the Holy Spirit, not by the flesh. So I want to explain this a little bit more. That'd be all right? Because I wanted to talk about something else. Have I ever told you, has that ever happened before? I thought I knew what the Lord wanted to talk about this week, but it's going to be next week, Lord willing. And it's going to be really powerful. I'm telling you, invite all your friends. If you don't have any, just invite strangers. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I want to talk about being sanctified. Being sanctified. Sanctification. It means to be set apart and made holy unto God. Hebrews talks about it. Acts talks about it. Other places in the Bible, lots of places, probably 50 places in the Bible will talk some mention of sanctification. But I think this scripture captures 
the essence of sanctification. And it's really, I don't know that I've ever really seen it used to describe sanctification, but to me, it's all about sanctification. Galatians 2, one of my favorite scriptures, scriptures verse 20 says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. This is, should be the testimony of every Christian if they acknowledge, acknowledging the truth of their salvation. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The life that I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 It's a prayer. I read that scripture often because I refer to it as how the Bible shows us that we're three-part beings. Just like we serve a triune God, we are three-part beings, spirit, soul, and body. So I'm going to go over there. 1 Thessalonians 5, if you have your Bibles. 1 Thessalonians Back there with all the T's. Five T's in a row. First and second Timothy. Titus. Right after first and second Thessalonians. Okay. First Thessalonians chapter five. Paul is praying a prayer here. This is sort of a foundational scripture. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23. So, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body. See there? That's all of you. Spirit, soul, and body. Be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. When you're born again, and you have to be born again in order to even understand spiritual truth. According to Jesus, John chapter 3 verse 3. What he told Nicodemus when he came to him at night for fear of the other Jews, but he believed. And Jesus just cut right through all his rhetoric and said, listen, if you're not born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. So you have to be born again. That's a must. But when you're born again, when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are sanctified. Set apart, made holy unto God. Bought, redeemed at a very high price, the blood of Jesus Christ. And children of God should reflect the character and nature of God. Wouldn't you say? Now that we have the ability to, our, our personality, our overall human personality, folks. And this is important. Because in this, I don't even know what to call it anymore. I used to call it a republic. Some people call it a democracy. Now it's trying to go somewhere way worse. But people understand the democratic process, right? I get a say, I get a vote. You know, I have rights. 
The kingdom of God is not like that. You do have rights and privileges, but it's not a democracy, folks. And neither is the human personality supposed to be. Hello. All of you, it's my life. It's just the way God made me. Our family just that way. All that stuff, if it don't line up with this word, is a lie. You're deceiving yourself. And I don't even believe you believe it. Probably none of y'all. Somebody online though. Your personality is not like a democracy. But it's supposed to be governed by God. Hello. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I thought you always tell us he doesn't want robots. No, he does not. That's why he gave you a free will. He wants a family that chooses him for him. And he will protect your free will, your right to choose all the way to hell. If you go to hell, it will not be because God sent you there. Ultimately, Jesus will have to make that judgment. But it will be because you purposely and rejected the Son of God in this life. When you're born again, when we are born again, our spirit is made alive again. It was dead ever since the Garden of Eden and passed down from that seed of Adam all the way to everybody born today. So we're born with a corrupted sin nature and a dead spirit. That's why Jesus told those Religious hypocrites of his time, you, you, you're like your father, the devil. <laughs> man, oh man. But now we've been made alive again, united to God. Our spirit has been made alive again, perfected. That sin nature of Satan kicked out. And we're united to God by his Holy Spirit. Sealed. Our spirit is renewed and sealed the promised Holy Spirit. And God deals with us by or through our regenerated spirit. Remember? God is a spirit. Those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So that's how he communes with us. The unsaved man, now listen to this, because it'll help you to love the godless the unsaved, because you were there one time yourself. I know I was in a big way. So remember this, the unsaved man doesn't know God. I mean, that's the easy part. Here's the thing, he can't know God. It's even, it's impossible. You're hating on him for something he doesn't even have the ability to do. Apart from Jesus. Let me let me prove this. Second, first Corinthians chapter two, verse fourteen says the natural man or the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit, capital S of God. For they are foolishness or folly to him, 
and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Okay? So now I use scripture to prove that. Okay. Praise God. 1 Corinthians 2.14. But for us who are saved, now our spirit controls our soul. Now, now, now we're getting to what I want to talk about. We've been talking about being led by the spirit. Our born again spirit. How we have all things pertaining to life and godliness already been granted to us. In our spirit. And we're supposed to be led by the spirit. And people, I think sometimes people are like, what? And the Lord's like, explain to them the difference. Now our spirit controls our soul. So our, and that, or it should, it should. Then our spirit controls our soul. And our soul directs our body. That's how it should be. That's God's plan. That's God's will. And that's God's way. And I say it should. Because you have, still have a free will, don't you? Now you have nothing compelling you to sin. Before you knew Jesus and accepted him as your Lord and Savior. And the devil's nature was kicked out. You can say the devil made me do it. And you were partly telling the truth. Even though you had a conscience which came alive in the Garden of Eden when they died spiritually. And you still knew right from wrong. But you could, you could wax cold and push God and stiff arm him away for so long until you just can't even hear him anymore. But you don't have that. Nothing compelling you anymore to, 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 to go against the will of God. But you, you still can with the best of them. <laughs> Because he didn't take away your free will. So all three of our parts that make up the whole human person, personality, they, they, they all have a responsibility and a place and a priority of, uh, of, uh, of authority in your life. That's right. Does that make sense? Yes. If you are a spirit created in the image of, and likeness of your father, then that spirit is who you really are. You have a soul, you have a personality, a mind, a will, and emotions, and you live in a body. Just of earth suit, a temporary one. The spirit has been born again, renewed, perfected forever. One third of your salvation is over. Your soul is being renewed. Being saved. As you come into agreement with the born again spirit, with the word of God, with the help of the Holy Spirit. That's why I keep telling you how much you need him. And what you don't get here will be finished when you do get there. And then this body is just temporary and it's, it's fading away. Even though you could and should expect 120 happy, healthy years out of it. Because we have a better covenant with better promises. And Moses was 120. His natural strength was not abated. Nor his eyesight dim. But you'll get a new one of these. It's going to be. Good. Unperishable. Alright. So. Our born again spirit. Is always. In communion and worship with God. You understand? 
In there you have the mind of Christ. Our spirit stays connected and in submission with God through his Holy Spirit. That's how God talks to us. The Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, direct communion, communion, conversation with the spirit within us. But we can't discern that spirit with our natural senses. And our soul is responsible to submit to our spirit and the Holy Spirit and to live in self-denial. Okay, all right, to live in love. See, most people would go for that. See, but the love of God, the agape love of God is not self-seeking. It is not selfish. So self-denial then is an appropriate word, isn't it? For this personality that wants what it wants. Then our body is just to be the temple of the Holy Spirit with yielded members, yielded vessel to honor God. That's God's plan, folks. The problem, <laughs> you may have guessed, the problem area is the soul. That's, that's our personality, our mind, our will, and our emotion. And that's where all of your problems, you analyze this all you want, but all of your problems generate from your soul. It's the place where all rebellion originated and still comes from, if we allow it to. The good, I always liked knowing there was something I could do about it, though. See, because, believe it or not, even though we live in the Bible Belt, it's really the Baptist Belt, and they're teaching people today in gigantic churches all around the place that it's the sovereignty of God rules. God is sovereign in the sense that he is the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, no, omnipotent, all-knowing, all-powerful. He's it. He, wouldn't, he, he holds himself subjected to his own word. And he has given you a free will. It's God's will. If, 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 if everything, if, if it's just God's will, whatever God wants, whatever it says, that's what will come to pass. Then everybody would be saved. Because it says in the Bible, it's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to the knowledge of his son, Jesus Christ. So why aren't they? It says the great Titus 2, 11 and 12, the, the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. In other words, it's been made available to all. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, but not all are saved, are they? Why? Because it takes a faith response to that grace that's been provided for you to receive it. And God's not going to force you. Kenneth Hagin said one time, he was ministering at a church he hadn't been to before. And he said, well, a lot of people think that just whatever God wants, that he'll just make it happen, whatever it is he wants. And this guy stood up 
real arrogant. I believe that's right. In other words, he knew Kenneth Hagin was fixing to teach that that was not right, but I believe that's right. And Kenneth Hagin, with a word of knowledge from the Lord, he said, is that right? That's right. He said, well, then how come he can't make you pay your tithes? Don't he want you to pay your tithes? And he said, the guy just ducked down. <laughs> he said, he didn't know the man. He didn't know if he did or didn't, but he knew it from the, the, the Lord gave him a word of knowledge and it convicted the man and he shut up. <laughs> the sovereignty of God, you have a part to play. Oh, that's all I'm trying to make my point. Don't let people tell you, because the bad thing about the sovereignty of God is that it makes people spiritually lazy and complacent for starters. And we have a very big part to play. We have great authority in this, in this world. Jesus sat down and gave his authority to us. And we're going to talk about it next week more. But it also makes people angry with God. And that's the devil really loves that. We've talked about that before. If God puts, if a church is teaching you that God put sickness on you to teach you something. Or he took a, a young loved one from you. Because he needed them more than you do. Would that make you happy with God? Would that make you call him a good and loving father? No, it would not. It would make you bitter, not better. And that's what he does to so many, this terrible teaching. That's what some of the Trojan horses that have been brought into the, to the church and accepted as good and the true, but they're lies of the devil. Jesus said, I came that they might have life and have it more abundantly. The thief, the devil, comes to steal killed his children. Yet, so many preachers and Christians will not let this word of God get in the way of what they want to believe. The traditions and doctrines of men, Jesus said, are making the word of God of no effect. So, if you get to a place, because Proverbs 23, 7 says that as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he, right? So your mind and will and emotions, your soul is a very, plays a very big part. It, it's, it's, it sets the course of your life. That's why this is so important. Because the problem with it is that it has a free will. And then there's so much bad doctrine, bad teaching. And my people are perishing for lack of knowledge, God says. And sometimes it's not their fault. So the soul is the decider of your life. The decider, the choice maker in your life. I will, I won't. I, I don't, I, I, I will, I won't, I want, I don't want, right? And, and if your soul says, I, I won't, when God says you should, that's rebellion. And that's the source of all your problems. Believe it or don't. I'm not picking on anybody. Even after I came to know the Lord and found out all the 8,000 promises that are beautiful and powerful and sufficient were for me. I had opened so many doors and windows to the devil in my life that it took a while for him to get them all closed. 
So, God says rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. <laughs> he hates it. He hates it. Why does he hate it? Because he didn't want you to have any fun? No, because it destroys people. Anything that is opposed to God, if God has a will and a way about something and you're opposed to it and you live in opposition to it, it's going to invite the devil in and he's going to come in and eat your lunch and pop the bag. <laughs> I'm going to read a story to you. And this, you'll like this, I hope. Matthew chapter 21. I keep going back to it. It's always been encouraging to me. Matthew chapter 21, starting in the 28th verse. This is a parable that Jesus told about two brothers and their father. We can say that he's painting a picture here of himself or God and man a man had two sons and he went to the first and said son go and work in the vineyard today and he answered I will not but afterward he changed his mind and he went and he went to the other son and said to the same and he answered I'll go I'll go sir but he did not go which of the two did the will of his father? I'm asking you. The first one. He repented, didn't he? He changed his mind. He said, he said I won't. So he started off bad in rebellion to the father, but then he, he thought better of it. He repented. He changed his mind. And he went and did what he was supposed to do. The other one said he would go and he didn't. He just lied. So they said, the first. Jesus said to them, truly, I tell you. The tax collectors. See, they hated tax collectors because they were, they were Jews. They were Hebrew people in a Roman-occupied land, in their own land. So they were their own people collecting taxes, unjust taxes from their own people for, for the Romans. And then they would take more than they were supposed to. And they were all making themselves rich off of their own people. And they were corrupt. So people hated them. And rightfully so, even though we're not supposed to hate. But you, know, you can see why they would. Truly, I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. He's talking to the religious leaders of the day. The hypocrites. For John came to you in the way of righteousness and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even when you saw it, you did not afterward change your minds and believe him. In other words, all these religious teachers and rulers of the day, they were corrupt. They had an outward appearance of piety. But inward, they were dirty, corrupt. And these, these good old-fashioned sinners... That I love so much. Give me a church full of them. Because when I was running the roads. With the worst. And I was the worst probably of all. 
But you know what I'm saying? What the world considers some of the worst. Even they always had, they had a certain reverence and offer. They, they, they didn't make no bones. They knew they were living outside of God's plan. And they even had a respect and awe for him, you know. They just knew they weren't in it. But there are people sitting their whole life on the front row of church who are just lying hypocrites. The people on their block don't even know that they're Christians. If they were arrested for being a Christian, there wouldn't be enough evidence to convict them. I grew up in a town full of little religious folks. And I was very popular. Not one time in my young life was I ever invited to church. And I'm not angry about it. I'm just saying it shouldn't be that way. I don't blame those kids. I blame their pastors. Now, we're 58 and I'm praying, trying to pray all of them, make sure they meet me in heaven. <laughs> trying to get all of them saved, huh? Which has <laughs> brought me to a life of <laughs> seclusion, pretty much. <laughs> But I'm never alone. I have Jesus. Amen. I have Jesus. The soul is the center of all temptation of man. Mind, will, and emotion. It is the battleground. It's important to know. It's good to know this. It's the battleground of tremendous spiritual battles that are ongoing. And knowing this can help you because when you come under attack, when you come under attack, it's good to know who's doing it. It's the enemy. Oh, so want to get into this next week <laughs> because I'm going to tell you how to win these fights. But always know this. You have a safe harbor to turn to. As a child of God, you have the opportunity to run to God and not the world. There is safety in God in staying submitted to God. Before you're saved, you, you, you had an evil source inside of you. Your fallen nature, like we talked about, that sin nature, and it was leading you around. It, devil was pulling the strings just however he wanted to but now you have a new identity if anyone be in Christ he's a new creation old things are passed away behold all things have become new not here yet not here yet in your spirit that's how you can look in the mirror on your worst day when the devil's reminding you of every bad thing you ever were and ever did, and you could look in the mirror and say, you're a liar, devil. I did it yesterday. William, snap out of it. God loves you. You're redeemed, bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. You died on that cross with Jesus. 
The life that you now live is no longer you who live, but Christ who lives in you. The same power that raised him from the dead lives in you and gives life to this mortal body. God is not a God of the past. He's a God of the future. He's wiped out every sin and every accusation against you and every crime you've ever committed. You are blessed. You are redeemed. You are loved. You are forgiven. Now get on with it. And get on about your business serving the Lord. These are the conversations I have with myself in the mirror, so I know that you need to have some too. And the more you serve God, the more the heat will get turned up sometime. That's why you need to know this even more and more and more until you're so confident in the love of God and the power of God and the promise of God for you that that lying little wimpy devil won't stand a chance. The, the Bible says... One day we'll be in heaven and we'll see him when he gets, when he finally gets cast into that lake of fire and we'll say, that's the one. In other words, we're going to be like, what? you kidding me? That, that's what caused all that trouble, wreaked all the havoc, all the death and destruction and corruption and depression and oppression that little, the, the Bible says that's what we're going to say. I think that's some of the tears you're going to wipe away when we realize, when we get to heaven and, and we realize all the authority and all the power and provision and blessings that were at our disposal and we missed it. Because we were so introspective and so beat down. And we didn't believe the provision and the forgiveness and the love of God for us. And it kept us living in the little rearview mirror instead of the big bright windshield that God had for us the future and the road ahead. Amen. Now, your spirit is renewed. You have the mind of Christ. And all the hidden wisdom of God at your disposal. Spirit to spirit. Huh? But not in your flesh. In your spirit. So make sure. Here's the, here's the thing you have to meditate on. Seek the Lord. Focus. Pray about. Make sure your soul, your personality, your mind and will and emotion. Make sure your soul is being governed by the spirit. If you wonder... What the Spirit is saying is in agreement with this word all the time. I don't care if an angel comes to you or a preacher, a prophet, anybody else. If it doesn't line up with this word, reject it. <clears throat> the word says that, by the way. <laughs> Make sure you're being governed by the Spirit, not by the flesh not by the world. Your soul is not a good leader apart from being connected to the spirit. We are spiritual beings. John 6, 63, Jesus said, the spirit gives life, the flesh, and you can include your fleshy mind apart from being renewed, it, the flesh profiteth nothing. Nothing. 
in the Greek, there's two words for spirit and for soul. Pneumaticos is spirit, and we get like a pneumatic tube. You ever use one of those to the bank teller, you know? The air, the breath, the spirit. And then psuchikos, which is the, the soulish. Also translated natural or of the mind or sensual or carnal or worldly. Saying that because there's some scriptures and I'm, I'm done here. But in a minute. Jude 19, because there's only one chapter. Back here in the back, Jude, verse 19. He's the half-brother of Jesus. And he has a powerful one-page book in the Bible. He said he wanted to talk. He reminded me of me. He wanted, to, he wanted to talk to them about something else, but he felt like the Lord was making him talk about this. <laughs> he starts off like that. I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation. I found it necessary, though, to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only master and Lord, Jesus Christ. He says they try to turn the grace of God into a license to sin and he's here to blast them, right? That's like a Trojan horse. Oh, that's a good one. So, Verse 19, though, is what I wanted to point out. It says, it is these, talking about these scoffers and ungodly people that have come into the church. He said, it is these who cause divisions. God hates that. Worldly people. That's psuchikos. That's the soulish people. The natural people. The carnal people. See, they're living from the soulish realm. <coughs> not being fed by the spirit you see what I'm saying these are the people is these who cause divisions worldly people suki cost devoid of the spirit they devoid of the spirit that's capital S Holy Spirit James 3 Jesus other half-brother James chapter 3, a couple pages back, verse 14 and 15, says, But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly. That is psuchikos, unspiritual, demonic. You see what I'm saying? Soulish. All this is just showing you the negatives of someone living from their mind and will and emotions apart from being instructed by the Spirit of God. Because you have a choice. And the unregenerated man, that's all he can live by. If you go to you can you could go the high as you can go in education in this nation. Regarding the mind, psychology, and psychiatry, you will never learn about the Spirit because they have no understanding. The world cannot understand the things of the Spirit of God. They think it's foolishness. So they can only take you as far as your own mind and will and emotions, which always leads back to the flesh. 
That's why it's so dangerous. I'm not saying people can't be helped. Thank God for anything that does give people some relief, even those who don't know the Lord. We don't want any harm to anybody. So I'm not picking on anything. I'm just telling you, why sell yourself short or settle for less than God's best when he's giving you the kingdom of God, the wisdom of God, the mind of Christ? And one more, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 12 through 15. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 12 through 15. You're still with me? Yes. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 12 through 15. Laying the good ground for next week. Says, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The soulish man, to put it in terms, in a phrase, the soulish man cannot receive revelation from God but the man who is spiritual naturally receives revelation and wisdom from God. Amen? Amen. 1 Corinthians 2.16 But we have the mind of Christ. But we have the mind of Christ. See, in our spirit, in our renewed spirit, and as we renew our minds according to the word of God, which is, Jesus said, my, my words are spirit and they are true. And the Holy Spirit, you see, because we have the mind of Christ, because we're the body of Christ, right? So we are Christ. Because you're a head and a body, they go by the same name, don't they? If Jesus is the head of the church, his body, and you're part of the body, yeah. praise God. Yes. So back to the last thing there, Paul's prayer, where we started, where we're spirit, soul, and body, 1 Thessalonians 5.23 I just want to read that and a couple of more scriptures that go with the prayer. Now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you, set you apart, make you holy completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen to this, verse 24. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Amen. Look at that. All you got to do is let go and let God. 
I'm not talking about a big burden and you gotta go figure out how to do all this now. Please, don't go there. The grace of Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your souls. My burden is light. My yoke is easy. For I am gentle and lowly of heart. Not a hard thing. It's a restful thing. It's a trusting thing. Putting your trust in the finished work of Jesus and resting in his arms and his provision and, and working in his power and not your own. Aren't you tired of trying to do it on your own? Faithful. Faithful is the one who calls you and he will do it. Total care, total provision, total sanctification in Christ. You do your part because it's a relationship. He's guaranteed to do his part. He is faithful even when we're not. He loves you so. I want to read this last scripture to you just to challenge you on your way out. Deuteronomy chapter 30. It says choose life there up on the screen today. Deuteronomy, the fifth book of the Bible, by the way. Deuteronomy chapter 30. I started off reading verse 19. But I want to read the next one. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 19 and 20. I have them underlined here in my Bible. He said, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death. I believe I can make that claim and be honest before God. My conscience is clear. Have I not set before you the options and the choice for life and death? Blessing and cursing. And remember, Jesus bore all the aspects of the curse two chapters before this on his body on the tree. So if there's any curse operating in your life, it's because you allow it, not because you have to, because Jesus took it and you have authority over that. Again, we'll talk about that next week. Therefore, choose life. The choice is yours. And then there's a promise. That you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice, and holding fast to him. For he is your life and length of days. Can't start today. But I just ask you to please meditate on these truths. Listen to the message again if you need to. If you want to, study the scriptures. Pray. If you pray in the spirit, if you've been baptized in the Holy Ghost, the best way to get revelation, knowledge, and wisdom from God is to pray in the spirit. That's the best and quickest dipper into the well. 
but you can do it by praying and confessing the word and studying the word and listening to the messages. Choose spirit-led life or worldly. Ask the Lord, where am I on this? That's fair. Where am I on this? I, I, man, hey, I'm not even pretending I have it all right, Lord, but show me where I'm at. Show me where to start and how to get more to the spiritual side. Some things I already know. Some things I already know because you told me a bunch of times. And matter of fact, you told me so many times, Lord, some of you, I'm just, I'm just reading your mail right now. Sometimes you've told me so many times, Lord, that I forgot you told me and I, I stiff-armed you so long that I waxed cold. My heart has turned cold towards you in that particular area of my life that at one time I knew was not your will and I kept doing it so long that I stopped hearing you encouraged me to trust you instead. I want you to undo that. I repent. That's what you need to do. Just do that between you and God. Matter of fact, if that's you and you have that in your heart and in your mind and you feel like God is hearing your heart and your heart's cry, just raise your hand right now. He sees you. He'll help you. He said, the Bible says you have not because you ask not. You're just raising your hand saying, that's me, Lord. I need your help. Please help me. Please help me. Just start dealing with me right there. There's, it's the positive ministry of the Holy Spirit, folks. Don't be afraid. God will never, ever, ever take something bad away from you without giving you something better. He's been waiting for a long time to give you. That's a fact. Choose. Life or death, spirit-led life or worldly life. James chapter 4. I won't go there. It says, a friend of the world is an enemy of God. Makes himself an enemy of God. So you can't have it both ways. There's coming a time when the, the fence sitters find out that the fence belongs to the devil. any of y'all sitting on that fence because I love you and so does God next week for those who decide to pursue a life as a, a follower a disciple of Jesus Christ not just a fan you're gonna, you should be really excited we're going to start um, learning how to, how to get some things done in the spiritual realm so that it can benefit you and those that you love and those that you meet in this life, in this realm, that you can see. Are you ready for that? Amen. Praise God. Has God spoken to any of you today? Oh, yes. Well, thank you for your, your patience and uh, for listening so intently. I pray that God has touched your hearts and your minds and that you will put these truths. It's all true. Everything that I've ministered to you came to me and I believe that it is God and that's what God has for the body of Christ right now what God has for this little part of the body right now and if you'll apply these truths and ask the Lord to help you with it it'll prepare you for the next step huh? God is the one who brings promotion you just get yourself ready you don't worry about the promotion you just worry about being ready for what you wanting him to give you Amen. 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 Somebody thank him.
Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I just want to reach out. I, I believe everybody here, well, I don't know. But to all of those that are here and to anyone online, if you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, this is your opportunity right now. I believe that hearts are plowed and that and that decisions have been made. So if you want Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, just say this prayer after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you came and died for me on the cross. That you were buried and were raised from the dead. And that you live today. I make you my Lord and Savior. To the exclusion of all others. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Now, if you receive the Lord Jesus, you know, now you need to receive the, you receive the gift, the giver, and now you need to receive the gift, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, if you being evil like to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father love to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So Jesus was baptized in the Holy Ghost when he was baptized in water. When the dove came and lit on him in the river Jordan. And then he told his disciples who had been with him for three and a half years not to go and try to minister in their own power, in their own strength, in their own soulish realm. Don't do anything until the 50th day, the day of Pentecost, when, it, when the Father sent the promised Holy Spirit. And he came upon them in that upper room on the 50th day after Jesus was resurrected from the dead. They needed it. You need it. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is still a very real and powerful thing. And the Christian life is, is very hard without embracing everything that God has for us. All the gifts of the Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So if you, if you want to receive that, just raise your hand and say, Dear Lord, fill me with your Spirit. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I need this gift. Jesus needed it. I need it. The disciples needed it. The apostles needed it. I need it. Fill me up to overflowing. Now just believe that you've received. And just continue to thank him. Thank him. Thank him. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Thank you, Lord, for filling me with your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for filling me with your Holy Spirit. Some words, there's something that comes with it. It's like buying tennis shoes. The tongues comes with it. Not something you have to do, it's something you get to do. Some words may begin to come up in your in your from your belly where your spirit is, your born-again spirit. And you have to open your mouth and let the syllables come out. You have to talk. It might sound like baby talk at first. But that's okay. That's normal. But it's not it, some people do not get it because they're waiting for it to be in Kroger's one day and the Lord just take over their mouth and make them grab the mic and start speaking in tongues. He's not going to do that. He's not weird and he's not, he's a gentleman. He, this is your private prayer language. It's not for church. There is a gift of praying in tongues and interpretation of tongues for church settings, but it has to be done in all propriety. This is your private prayer language. 
So if you want that, just just begin now. Just begin to just begin to let those syllables come up out of your mouth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Keep on working on that, and the Lord will keep working with you. Just continue to thank Him. Continue to thank Him for saving you. Continue to thank Him for baptizing you with the Holy Spirit. I believe this is going to be a big change to your life for those of you who embrace everything that God has for you. God told me 15 years ago, the end times bride, we were going to experience very difficult times in these end times. And we were going to need to be adorned with all the gifts of the Spirit, walking in power and love and victory. And I believe Him. I'm just one of those guys who believes whatever the Lord tells me. Amen. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this day. Messiah, can we get a Messiah, may we get a song, please. Thank you for this day. Thank you for your love, for your precious word. Thank you for all your imparted gifts and your wisdom. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. If there's anyone here who has sickness in their body, I'd ask you just to, to stand where you are. I'll come around and pray for each of you. If you have other needs, I want to make sure we get those needs met. We get it all before the throne room of God. You have not because you ask not. So we're going to get those needs met before you leave here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Give the Lord another hand clap.